0: Today's scripture comes from Genesis chapter 1 verses 26 through 31. We're going to read this in the ESV. So if you're here in person, uh, underneath your seats are ESV Bibles. If you want to grab those and look up the scripture, it's going to be like one of the first couple pages. (laughs) Genesis chapter 1 verses 26 through 31. And if you're joining us from home, feel free to look up the scripture, but just know it will also be projected behind me. But I know that if you're like, watching this on your phone, uh, it's going to appear very, very small. So again, it's Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 31. If you're ready to uh, read, uh, if you could please stand as able. I'm going to read the scripture for us, and then we'll all respond with uh, thanks be to God. All right, may the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us today. You shall have them for food, and to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day, the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. All right, we are beginning a new sermon series for this school year. We're very excited about this. Uh, It is called Whole. And uh, obviously you can see today's message is also called Whole uh, because we are starting to talk about what it means to become whole in Christ, to become whole as people, as individuals, but also to become whole as a community in our relationships with other people. And one of the things about talking about this concept of wholeness is that you have to kind of think that the only way you can kind of know what wholeness is is by knowing what it isn't. Because in many ways, you wouldn't know that the thing was whole unless you knew something that was like partial or not whole. Uh, Let me try to explain what I mean. Uh, So imagine um, that you were going to uh, eat a pie You know, maybe you bought it from uh, Zingerman's or wherever, and you got out that pie, and you're like really, really looking forward to it. But your pie looked like this. If anyone's listening to this message, and you can't see the picture, it's a picture of a pie that is missing just one piece, right? You'd probably look at that, and you'd be like, what in the world? (laughs) There's something wrong with this pie. It's not whole, right? Because you can kind of see that there's a symmetry that's supposed to exist in that pie, right? That it's supposed to be perfectly round, and when it's missing that piece, it's just not right. And to kind of further uh, explain the point, I thought of a different metaphor, and you know, I I don't know about you guys, um, but this drives me crazy. You guys ever do like a puzzle, and you can't find one piece. I heard some people groan. You guys know that feel, right? Oh, it's like the worst feeling. And by the way, I looked up this picture uh, just through Google Images. And where this came from (laughs) is ABC News. ABC News made an article of eight holiday gifts for people you dislike. Bro, ABC News, that's... (laughs) That's messed up, right? What? You're going to give someone a puzzle missing one piece, and they're going to be going around just like, oh my gosh, where is this piece? And I got to tell you, man, it's not just, it's a pretty universal thing. Um, this, this was uh, from a... Uh, a subreddit called uh, Mildly Infuriating. And again, it's a puzzle that is missing one piece. And friends, you know, how do we kind of describe this? this, this feeling that something's missing, that something's not right? I think this is something that we all feel every day in this world, right? Maybe some of you wake up in the morning and there's just this kind of offness and you don't really know how to put words to it. But maybe as you're walking around in this world and and you're walking down the street and you see the way that people look at each other, the way that people treat each other, or you turn on the news and you see all the messed up stuff on the news and all the ways that we are becoming uh, uh, further polarized and how uh, just the rich and the poor, the gap is getting wider and wider. We feel in our bones, don't we? Something's not right. Something's not right from the personal level to the societal level, on all levels, right? We know that we are not whole, right? And so we have this feeling. We have this this creeping suspicion that we all kind of know about, right? And that's what we are here to talk about. I know in many ways, I think that's what a lot of us are looking for in in, in religion, in our pursuit of God, is that there is this hope that there is a, a, a path to wholeness. And so... Just like we talked about, uh, you you know, you kind of can't know what wholeness is without knowing what partialness is, right? But what I want to do this morning is I want to look back in the beginning. We read uh, in Genesis chapter 1, and I want to take a look at that passage to to just get a picture, just a little snapshot, right? I mean, we we have a lot of time this semester to kind of flesh out some of these things. But what I want to give us this morning is a snapshot to give you a vision right? Because I know sometimes you just kind of talk about it. And and, and maybe just like in your head, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, it would be good if I was whole, right? But to just give you a a, a mental picture of what wholeness is supposed to look like biblically. So in the beginning, we saw this is where God is creating humans. Uh, and, And so this is on the sixth day. And God said, let us Make man in our image. By the way, there's a lot to unpack there right away. Some of you might be wondering, what does it mean when God says, let us? It's really weird because one of the, the main features of Judaism is that it is monotheistic. You guys know what that means? It's just a five-set word that means they worship one God. It's like the, or the most important thing about Judaism is that there is one God. So what in the world, from the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1, right? It says, let us make man in our image. And for Christians, for Christ followers, this is not a problem to us because we believe that God exists in relationship, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And it, w- it wouldn't have been weird for God to say, let us Make human. so God exists in fellowship and He's going to create man. And by the way, uh, the word for man in uh, Hebrew is ha Adam. What does that sound like? Adam, right? That's where we get the word for Adam, right? Adam just means human. And so th- th- you'll see this kind of like footnote in your Bibles where they say, Man, it's not talking about a male. It's talking about the human species, right? The the human race, right? So let us make humans in our image, after our likeness. This is what makes humans different than the other creatures that God created. That there's this idea that we reflect something of God. And in that, you would think God being perfect as God is, God being holy as God is, that was supposed to be passed on to us, right? So, I know sometimes this seems like like either a does statement or a little bit like dangerous. You're like, oh, you know, this just feels like so arrogant to compare ourselves to God. But, yo, these are not my words. This is the Bible, right? Saying that we were made to be like God, right? That is the original design and that is our destiny. And it says, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And this isn't a dominion where we're supposed to kind of like lord it over all creation or exploit creation, but we're supposed to tend and take care of and steward all of creation. And we've done a terrible job of it, right? I mean, this isn't like a message about like environmentalism, but... Man, you know, come on, look around you, right? Uh, This world is really jacked up because we haven't done a really good job of that, right? We see brokenness there. But that was God's original intent, that we would live in harmony with God's creation and we would take care of it. So God created humans in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So that's where you see that this is not just talking about, you know, the male was made in the image of God, right? But it says, God created humans, male and female, right? Both of us are made in this image of God. And then it says, and God blessed them, right? If you guys uh, have been with us in LGM and you've heard a message on blessing, you know that what blessing is, is to project good into another person, right? And that's what God is doing. He's projecting good, right he's blessing them he wants good things for them god said to them be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth how is this a blessing well the blessing is that yeah we get to continue as a species right because we can multiply right but this is also this idea of being fruitful right have you ever, I don't know, maybe some of you are in between jobs for those who have graduated, you know? Or maybe some of you are in a stage of life where you don't know what to do. Have you ever woken up every day and just, like, didn't have anything to do? Maybe some of you felt like this over the summer. In our heads, we think this would be wonderful, but it really isn't, right? When you have, like, absolutely nothing to do, right? I mean, like, who am I talking to, right? We were, we, we were all there for COVID and the pandemic, You know, and maybe some of you were like, this is great. I don't have to do anything. And then two weeks in, we're all like, oh my gosh, I'm so bored. I'm so bored. We have nothing to do, right? And friends, you already seen that. You were not made to do nothing. You were made to be fruitful, right? There are things that God has created for you to do, right? And when we don't do that, when we don't tap into that, we feel incomplete. And so God has given us tasks, he has given us a mission he has given us purpose right we're going to talk more about that in the future but just know that's part of god's design and if you ever felt like just like a complete bum you know just like doing nothing and you felt this wrongness in that right now you know why right because you were made to be fruitful and god said behold i have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth now i want to slow down there for a second cuz there's a word here that you don't hear a lot in everyday use. Have have any of you in the last week used the word behold? <laughs> it's like such an old-fashioned word, behold. What does that mean? It means to look at it, right? You're presenting something for people to look at. Behold the church. It just sounds more epic when you say it like that, right? But he's saying look at it, right? So he says. Behold, I have given you every plant. So look, I'm presenting you. I'm showing you all these plants. Pla- all, all, every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruits. You shall have them for food. It's a good thing. I'm giving you delicious food, fresh fruit and vegetables. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And so this is God's design, right? In the beginning, he's creating things. He's just speaking life, and he's speaking creative things, and they just happen, right? He said, let there be light, and then there was light, right? And then at the very end of this creation narrative, this is what I want to emphasize this morning. Verse 31, and God saw everything that was made, and behold. What does the word behold mean? We just went over it. What does it mean? to present it, that you're meant to look at it. Behold, behold. So what is God doing? He's looking at and appreciating everything in his creation. He's looking at it. He's looking at the sky and and the, 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 the clouds and the birds and the fish and all the plants and all the trees and all the weird naked humans that are walking around. He looks at all of us, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Friends, I, I want to make a big deal out of this for a second, because I want you to see what wholeness is supposed to be. Right? So throughout this whole creation narrative, we're not going to read the whole thing, but I want to show you little bits and pieces, because I want to show you a point that I'm trying to make that is evident if you read the entire creation narrative. So as God's creating, right, from the very beginning, he'll create, and then every once in a while, there's like a little kind of like commentary that is thrown in. God's like creating like lights and dark, right? And he's creating the sky and, and, and the seas, Right, And every now and then, we get a little commentary. So let me show you. We're we're just going to take select verses of this uh, creation narrative in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So this is the first two verses of the entire Bible, right? And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. So again, he saw it. He looked at it. He's like, good, right? And in Hebrew, that word for good is tov. Do you guys ever hear like Jewish people uh, when they're celebrating, they'll say like mazel tov, right? That, that means like, like, it's like a celebratory word, you know, congratulations kind of thing. Um, that's the same uh, uh, word, tov, good, right? You're talking about something good. Right, and and then uh, we see in verse ten, God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together He called seas. And God saw that it was tov, it was good. Again, right, couple verses down, the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, trees bearing fruit in which is in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was tov, good. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens and gave light to, on the earth to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. So he's talking about sun and stars and moons, right? And then it says, and God saw that it was Tov, good. And then at the very end, there's a little change, right? So this is a setup, right? It's, it's a poetic setup right? God created this, good. God created this, good. God created this, good. God created this, good. Then the very end, very, very end, verse 31, and God saw everything that he had made, saw it, looked at it, and behold, it was very good. Tov meod, right? That's the Hebrew. It was very good. It wasn't just good. It was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, The sixth day, friends, God looked at you, God looked at you, you, and he said, very good, tov me'od, tov me'od, very good, very good. Can you imagine that someone comes to you right now, looks you in the eye, it's just like, very good. Would it make you uncomfortable? Do you kind of squirm a little bit? Or would you, like, not believe them? Would you be like, yo, I don't know what your scam is, (laughs) dude, buster, fella. I don't know what you're trying to get at, but you don't even know me. What do you mean very good? I mean, it sounds like a pickup line, right? Very good, (laughs) right? It might be a little sleazy. But what if, like, somebody, you know, I don't know, it's like a a grandpa, you know, Like, like, grandmother, and and like, there's just like innocence there, and they just look at you and they're like, You're very good. Would you believe them? Would you believe them? Friends, I think that in this world, this is where we start to see our brokenness. We don't believe that. We don't believe that for a second. We don't. Do you look at all of creation, do you look at other human beings, and you look around at this broken world, you look at people who have different political ideology than you, that maybe to you seem very selfish, to you seem very greedy, to you seem very racist, and you look at them and you're like, very good. Of course not. None of us do. And most of us, we know enough about ourselves that when we look in the mirror, we don't see very good. Some of you can't even stand to look in the mirror. Right? We we look at ourselves and we're like, all we see is all the things that are wrong. All the imperfections. We don't want people to see us. One of the most intimate things is to look someone in the eyes, right? Right? Or do you ever, like, feel like someone is looking at you? I heard this. I heard this, by the way. Y'all can try this during the cookout. Maybe don't try this. This is kind of creepy. But I'm told that human beings, if you, like, look at the person, like, from behind, there's this sense that we have that we know when we're being looked at, right? They've done these things where, like, you ever see, like, in, in the cop shows where, like, the police are doing the stakeout? Right, and apparently a lot of police officers or like federal agents and whatever they talked about this this thing where they they look at the person and the person from like however many you know like yards away they're really really far away football field length away and they just kind of turn around and look right at the binoculars. It's weird, right? We sense the gaze of others, and for many of us, it feels threatening. We don't like when people are looking at us. I know many, many fights have been fought just because two people looked at each other. <laughs> so dumb, right? What are you looking at? What are you lo- Like you, you're handsome. <laughs> you're very good. <laughs> Told my own, right? But no, we, we just sense this thing. Like, are you mocking me? Making fun of me? Because I know I'm not very good. I know there's something wrong with me. You know, And so we have this fundamental brokenness that we don't know the sacred worth that you were created with, the inherent worth, the inherent goodness that you were created with, that when God created you, you were a masterpiece. And something happened, and we are going to talk about this this, this semester. We have to talk about sin. We have to talk about the fall. We have to talk about the brokenness in the, this world. But friends, we have to recognize that, that wasn't in God's intent, at least not in the beginning. And God's desire is to restore us to that fullness, to restore us to the image of God again, right? And, and we're going to see that. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it talks about this concept, right, that it was written, the first man, Adam, right, which is kind of, I mean, you're really saying the first man, the man, right, because Adam means man, Became a living being. The last Adam became a life giving spirit. This is a whole lot to unpack. More time, uh, we, we, we just need a lot more time than what we have here. But, friends, what is going on is that in our bodies, in our flesh, in this world that we live in, in the system that we live in, the system of sin, this broken world, right? We have a body, we have a reality. We are a kind of human, right? And Jesus comes to be a new kind of human. So we are led not just by the body. It's not just talking about the body, right? But it, it talks about this idea of flesh, that, that there is kind of like the natural way that we are in this world, right? And, and we're kind of led by those things. And Jesus is not. Jesus is a different kind of human. Jesus is not under the curse of sin, right? And so that's what it's talking about. He is a life-giving spirit, and he wants to give us life. He wants to give us that spirit. He wants to give us a new kind of way of being human. But it's not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. So all of us are born into this natural state where we are broken and sinful, right? So if any of you are hearing this, this, this message this morning, and you're like, yeah, th- this, this is terrible. But friends, I have, you know, it's kind of a good news, bad news situation, right? The bad news is that you're broken, and you're sinful, and you're incomplete. But the good news is that we all are. (laughs) We're all in this together. There's nothing wrong with you. Nothing wrong with you more than there is wrong with any of us. And I think that's one of the lies that we have, is that some of us, we look in the mirror, we don't like what we see, we feel this incompleteness, and we feel like a complete loser. We're like the the worst person on on earth, right? We're such a weirdo. But we're all weirdos. (laughs) We are all broken, right? And so friends, we're all in this together in many ways, right? So yeah, the, the 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 natural person has to come first. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven, the realm of God. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. So there's this idea that we can change, we can transcend. Right sometimes we call it conversion we can change into this new kind of spiritual human right just as we have born the image of the man of dust we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven so friends remember how did God create us in the image of what in the image of pigs in the image of dust in the image of air in the image of god that's why way you, you were created, right? Something happens, and we're going to talk more about this next week, that obscures that image for all of us. We don't see it when we look in the mirror, right? And that is the fundamental wrongness with this world. But the good news is through Christ, we are aiming to get that back, right? And so friends, this whole year, we're going to be talking about this concept of wholeness, right? The Bible has lots of different words for it. So... We already uh, just encountered tov me'od, right? Very good, right? The goodness, that's wholeness, right? It, it's, we're meant to be good. God blessed us. He was projecting good into us. And there's another Hebrew word that con- uh, usually is uh, uh, translated as uh, peace, shalom, right? Sometimes people say Salem, right? But really, the, the Hebrew word is shalom, Right, and it's not just a peace, which means like people aren't fighting, but it means like a rightness in this world. Like everything in this world is right. You know, so you can have shalom with you, but you want that for every single person. So it's a very common uh, Hebrew greeting to say someone shalom. Right? It's like us saying, "What do we all do this morning? Peace be with you." Right? We want everything in your world, in your life, in your reality to be good to be the way it's supposed to be, right? Shalom would be like, you know, like the perfect summer day where there's not a cloud in the sky. No one's fighting, you know? Everyone is getting along. Everyone's laughing and there's joy and people are loving each other and being generous and not being stingy, right? It's a world of plenty. It's not a world of scarcity like many of us think that we have. That's a world of shalom, right? Another word that honestly just, it has been butchered, In our consciousness is a word that gets used a lot in the Bible, righteousness. The the Greek word is dekaiosune, right? And and what it means is, so righteousness, I think for a lot of us, I I think it's kind of like a sinful use of the word, is we think of it as like self-righteousness, like I'm better than you. This is really not the intent of the word. Think of it as, I, I like to actually take out the us and just put, Rightness. It's rightness, right? What would your life look like if you were completely right? There is this, this, this feeling that your life would be good, right? You would have peace, right? You would be a joyful person. The food of the Spirit would be flowing from you, right? So there's no negative connotation of this. There's no pride here. Right? But it is just simply what God desires for you as a person to be a whole person. And then the last word that we often use, uh, that we're going to be using as we talk about wholeness, is kingdom. We're going to have to unpack this more, but kingdom is Jesus' favorite word. It is his favorite concept in the four gospels. And it is this idea of the reign of God. If God is king, and he's king of your life, and he's king of the world, the world is going to look the way that he desires it to, right? We pray it all the time in the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? We want God's will to be done right here. And if that were being done, God's will being done in your life, God's being done in this world, this world would look very different. Very, very different. So here comes Jesus. And Jesus is not like the first Adam, born of the dust, right? Born of sin, born of incompleteness. But he is born of heaven. And he is complete, right? And so when Jesus Jesus bursts out onto the public scene, the first kind of presentation of Jesus shows us this wholeness. Um, I want to take a look. Mark chapter 1. Um, this is Jesus' baptism. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. W- what do we say? He's the man who has the life-giving Spirit. He has been given the Spirit. And as he is given the Spirit, a voice came from heaven that says, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. You are my beloved son. This is the identity that God, that Jesus has in God. It's the identity that we are all supposed to have. But we've lost it. Right? We're supposed to have it. But many of us, man, we don't feel loved. We don't feel that connection with something greater than us. A lot of us, we feel like Cosmic dust. What do I mean by that? I mean it's, seriously, that's sometimes the way people talk. They're like, we're just accidents. Just atoms and molecules were bumping into each other, and just some of them just stuck together. And over time you had a little kind of you know single-celled organism, you know, and then those single-cell organisms just bumped into each other by accident. Then you get, you know, more complex organism, and before you knew it, a fish was crawling out of the water. <laughs> This is the story you've been told. And friends, just think about this for a second. You're an accident. You're a complete accident. And this whole world is just an accident. We just have to do the best that we can. And by the way, this world is dangerous. And this world, it's scarce. The things in this world are very, very scarce. So you gotta get yours while the getting is good. Does this sound familiar? Maybe not in that stark terms, but this is basically how most of the world lives, isn't it? We grow up with an inherent, not goodness and beauty, but an inherent ugliness. We're trying to clean ourselves up. Maybe in some of us, because we, we live in this sinful, broken world, maybe something happened when you were young where you didn't feel that love from your parents. For whatever reason... I don't know, your parents were busy or it didn't get communicated the right way. We just live in a broken world. I'm not saying it's anyone's fault per se, but it happens. I know for me, that was a big struggle of mine. My parents, you know, they grew up in Korea, first generation Koreans, grew up in the the Korean War, and the way they showed love to me was by feeding me and giving me a good education and making sure I had every need met. And I'm sure for them, their lives felt very scary. Being in in America, not knowing anyone, and just trying to do the best they can, and every day, man, my my family they were hustling, right? They were doing the best they could. But honestly, for me, I missed out. I, I you know would turn on the TV or see my friends and see like the way that at least family was presented, where like the moms and dads were hugging all the time, and they're like, "I love you, son," and I never heard that. I never heard that from my parents. And so I didn't always feel that. You know, I, I didn't always feel like. Like, you know, my dad would say to me, or in his gaze was, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. I just kind of felt like, yeah, you're my son, and you got to work your butt off to get into college, and to get a good job, right, and to make all of this work. And when I saw the other way, people looked at me. You know, so you guys can tell I'm Asian, right? And I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio, in, in a small town where there weren't a lot of other Asians. And when people look at me, they would look at me like there was something wrong at me, with me. They'd like, be like, what, what's going on with your eyes? How, how, how do you see out of those? Right? And like, they're kids, right? So they would ask stupid questions, right, like that. They're like, does everything you see, is it like widescreen? I'm like, dude, come on, bro. What the heck? Why would you ask that? But they're kids, right? But that stuff hurt. That stuff stung. And I I just remember thinking to myself, like, like, I would never admit this because I'm a guy and guys don't talk like this, but I would have said things like, I think I'm pretty ugly. I don't think any girl would like me or want me. That's the way I grew up. I didn't feel this inherent goodness within me, this inherent belovedness. I did not have that. And maybe some of you all, I don't know, maybe you can feel it as you're walking around campus and you feel not inherent goodness and belonging and shalom, right, within you, but you feel fear. You feel anxiety. You feel loneliness. And that is not God's design for us. That's the way of the world, right? This is no one's fault, right? You come to the right place if you are experiencing that, right? Right? But what we want to experience more and more and more is that rightness, that wholeness that we have in Christ. That Jesus had the very first moment he popped on the scene. Yes, he is the man of the spirit, but the spirit comes on him and he knows. He knows that he knows that he knows. He's the son of God. He's loved. God is well pleased with him, right? I like to mention this because it's true. As far as we know, Jesus has not preached a single sermon yet. Jesus has not done a public miracle yet. He hasn't done anything to earn this great status. It's just given to him. It's just who he is in God. He's the son of God. He's beloved, right? So friends, how do we get that? So we are told in Romans 8, 14, uh, through 16. It says, for all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. And you'll see in our Bibles, there's an asterisk there. It's not talking about males, right? But remember, we're, we're talking about Jesus, the son of God. You are given the same status by the spirit that Jesus himself had, right? And that spirit of sonship, as it says, is also given to men and women alike, right so please understand that right that this isn't meant to be sexist language but it's meant to say that you are given the same status as Jesus if you are led by the spirit of god for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons right that same status as Jesus by whom we cry abba father The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. There's an intimacy that Jesus knows with God. That comes with the wholeness. We're going to talk more about this next week. But the man and the woman, they're walking in the garden with their God. God is just walking around in the Spirit, just walking around with them. He is so close to them. And Jesus had this way of talking about the Father that was different than any other Jew of his time or had come before. Nobody called God Abba. It would have been considered profane or like, like just too below God. Because Abba, it's like daddy, like Appa. Right? It's a very, very intimate term. But this is how Jesus would refer to God. He was that close to God, right? Appa, Daddy. And we want to have that same kind of closeness. That's what we are missing. Um, St. Augustine once said, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Our hearts are restless until they rest in you. God created us for him, to be in relationship with him. And so in sin, when we were broken from the fellowship with God, that is why we feel so incomplete. Right? And so, friends, um, there is this spirit that we are meant to receive. Right? And, friends, it could happen at any moment, but why not this moment? Why not this moment? Maybe some of you are kind of feeling like, yeah, Pastor Steve, I've heard this before. You know, I, I know conceptually, I'm a child of God. Duh. That's not big news, right? Anyone could have told you that. But do you know it here? Do you know it? inside of your body. First thing, you get up in the morning. You're walking around and you feel the eyes of other people on you. And immediately you feel like they are judging you and sizing you up. Do you feel in your body like, yo, I'm a child of God. I'm beloved. There's nothing that your gaze can take away from me. right? Whether I get this job or not, whether I get into med school or not, whether I get an A on this test or not, It changes nothing in terms of my status with God. I have this confidence knowing who I am through and through. That is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Would you be open to that? Would you be open to that gaze? Right? Because that's what we need. We need to feel the gaze of God upon us saying, you are beloved. I want to end, um, I, I've, I've preached on this kind of topic before, and I've showed this picture before, if you guys haven't seen it. I told you about my dad. My dad who, um, you know, loves me very much, I have no doubt of this, but had a hard time explaining that to me. <laughs> and because he lived in scarcity and fear, I think sometimes what came out was a product of the scarcity and fear. The, the nagging, the yelling, Right? The, the kind of like stilted conversation that happens between fathers and sons. And sometimes that love was lost. But I want to show you, this is my dad with um, my second daughter, Sydney. And look at my dad looking at Sydney. Can you imagine what he's thinking right there? That he's like, you are pretty worthless. Like seriously, what are you doing? You're, 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 like you need to get a job. You need to study, right? Of course not. He's not thinking any of those things. Right? What is he doing? He's just gazing at his daughter, his granddaughter, and just thinking, like, good. I mean, he wasn't thinking in Hebrew, but this is my, this is my interpretation. Tov me'od. Tov me'od. Very good. It's so good. Right? Tov me'od. This is the way God looks at you. Do you know that? Tov me'od. Very good. It's so good. Guys, I just want to close. I know it's such a simple, simple message. But so simple that you can close your heart to it. So simple that you can think you know it and not really let that word go in deep. Let the gaze of God fall upon you where he's saying, behold, stand still. I want to look at you my daughter, my son. I want you to feel my pleasure upon you that I love you. I love you so much. And so friends, if you want to, you can close your eyes or if you just want to look up at my, my dad looking at my daughter, you know, maybe you can picture your own relationship with your parents if that's a loving one. <laughs> and I just want you to hear and receive these words through the Holy Spirit. God's saying to you, you are my child. My beloved. You are my child. My beloved. I am so pleased with you. You are my child. I love you. I'm so pleased with you. You are my child. You are My beloved, I love you. I love you. I'm pleased with you. I'm proud of you. It's not because of what you've done. It's because of who I made you to be. You are a masterpiece. You are very good. And maybe you've lost that, but listen to the Holy Spirit speak over you. You are my child. I want to go into our time of communion and As we're doing that, just let this sink in. You know, maybe just after you eat the bread or whatever, you know, you can just dwell on that. Am I really the child of God? Do I feel that? Do I know that reality? Have I let that sink in? And so we're going to go into communion and just know that um, at Living Grace Ministry, uh, we are a United Methodist Church, and what that means is that we practice open communion. So that means you're all welcome to come to this table and to partake in this. We'll explain uh, how we're going to do that in a second, the nuts and bolts of it, so don't worry. Um, But just know that you are all welcome to participate. And so uh, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, um, he shared a final meal with uh, his disciples. And some of his disciples, I mean, basically they would all lose faith. Some would betray him. Someone would completely fall away. And yet he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And then also, um, towards the end of that meal, he, he took a cup. And this was the cup of the new covenant. His blood poured out for the forgiveness of sin. So even though we had been marred by sin and we continue to be broken by sin, Jesus gave his body. He died on the cross and he shed his blood in order to forgive our sin that we can be brought into that wholeness again. And that's what communion is about. It's come union. We are becoming one with God, with each other, together. And so we we take the bread and we take the cup into our bodies, take the the juice into our bodies, so that we know that God is now a part of us. That is the desire. That that, that is the, the hope right? That is the grace that God is giving to us. And so, I want to just pray over these elements that they can become to us the body and blood of Christ. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your gifts of bread and cup. May this become to us, symbolically, the very body and blood of Christ, that we will know, God, this mystery of union it's sometimes hard to explain or to think about intellectually, God, but we can experience it as we taste the good bread and we drink that sweet juice, that we can feel the tov meod, the goodness of your grace, the goodness of your sacrifice, the goodness of reuniting, of communion with you. We thank you, God. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.